as Americans, we have to be able to listen to one another, and we don't do that anymore. It's some it's something that we we just hear what we want to hear, and then we run with it. I just want to give a shout out to you know thank you Isaac for letting me do this but also you know shout out to um, our podcast if you ever want to hear some craziness um, my friends and I we got it's called Hi Chicago H-I Chicago uh, we talk about some of everything um, Hi Chicago Hi Chicago some, similar to like what we're talking about but not uh-huh. as, in, as in depth you know uh-huh. we go for you know for a little bit and just kind of talk about whatever that's crazy uh, that's happening whether it's entertainment whether it's sports wise whether it's news is it just Chicago oriented oh no it's, it's everything. all over oh yes yeah, all just over it's just called Hi Chicago because we're all from Chicago oh okay yeah. gotcha well cool man all right so back into the back into the deep stuff here oh yeah here we go all right so we talk a little about COVID, um, COVID-19. Okay. Let's talk about the systemic, mm-hmm. the stuff that that's a hot topic right now. I just, I need help defining okay. some of the stuff, you know, that way I can form a, a correct, a correct opinion. No problem. So let's w- what's going it. on? Let's talk about your perspective, what you're seeing, what you're understanding, what people are talking about. Gotcha. That's all hot topic and your experiences with it too. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so like when you hear people talk about systemic racism, a lot of people don't really understand like what does that mean or what is that? So like before you and I were born, there were a lot of laws that were made that were kind of like crazy that were based on race. And so at one, there was one law that actually where like where I'm from in Chicago, it was like illegal for like a white homeowner to sell their house mm-hmm. to an African-American couple, even if they can afford it. Mm-hmm. So it was things like that. They call them redlining, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It was all those things that are a part of our history as America that right. sometimes when you bring that up, people like to be like, ah, was so long ago that was just my parents well, yeah redlining was like 50s yeah, 60s exactly that was just my parents yeah. generation exactly right and i think there's still little tidbits of it now <laughs> of it now it's right. just you get in a lot of trouble if you get caught exactly right yeah you know um i remember i was watching one documentary they were talking about like i think it was after world war ii and they were saying like how the gi bill came out and it was it gave like soldiers you know the ability to go buy houses and they did a stat on Mississippi and it was like, let's just say if it was like 2,500 soldiers from Mississippi fought in that war, you know, um, and it was like so many hundreds of them were black, only like one or two of them qualified for a bill that like everybody was kind of supposed to qualify for that fought in this war. And so, you know, you fought for your a country, right? America. Right. And you fought alongside, you know, multiple races, you know, whatever. And you come back to Mississippi and there's this bill to help you get a house and start a beautiful life in the suburbs to provide for you and yours. And as a black man, you can participate in that. Right. Uh Those things have contribute to the America that we are in today. That doesn't make America a horrible place. Right. Uh We, does it make us the greatest country? No, that we have some blemishes and that's okay. Right. Uh So to, to wrap that up, what ends up happening is, is that you have some of those things that are still trickling down into our society today. Uh-huh. We see it with law enforcement, right? 
I remember in my day, I'm going to talk like I'm old. I'm 30 you're years 30, old. Just, yeah. Let me just put that out there. I'm 30. Isaac is like, what, 24? You're, you're still uh-huh. a baby. Okay. And back in my day, when you would watch shows in the late 90s and early 2000s, you know, those like 90210 type shows or whatever, white kids would get pulled over by the police and they'd be like, do you know who my parents are? Like, that's kind of like, that. they used to uh-huh. be like the trend, right? Whereas black people never really got that experience because when we got put over by the police, it was always like this hostile situation for the most minute things. And people will be like, Oh, well, why don't you comply? It's not even about that. It's, it's, it's I, Joshua Vincent, and you know me, Isaac, you know, me uh-huh. personally. it's times I've gotten pulled over and the police officer just coming out, screaming and cussing at me. And it was like, I didn't slow down completely at a stop sign. Uh-huh. Like I did a rolling stop, but it, you know, uh-huh. and, and let me just say real, real quick. And what happens is, is that, you know, that situation could have went and left where I become a hashtag or whatever the case may be, all because of a stop sign. I mean, throw right. me the hundred dollar twenty ticket, hundred and twenty dollar <sighs> ticket, call it a day, my bad, bro. All right, keep uh-huh. it moving. Does the like ethnicity of the police officer ever have any well, like, it it was it was white officers, but you know there's this culture within the police department. And one of my best friends is a police officer down in Houston, and we talk about this all the time. There's is this he culture. black or he's black? Okay. He's black. And there's this culture in the police, uh, you know, culture where it's like you know we're brothers, we're fighting against the crime right. every day, so it's us against them. And sometimes that them becomes black people and it shouldn't be that way. It's, but, but sometimes that it is yeah. right. And so what you have happen is, is that you can be a black officer or a white officer, whatever the case may be. But let's say, let's say if you were a police officer, right. And you have a, a teammate as a police officer who's sending you racist memes, saying racist things about black people. But yet this person is in black neighborhoods protecting and serving against this community. Uh huh. If you don't say anything about this person, then this person end up, you know, killing somebody or harming them in some type of way or, you know, using excessive force, giving the police department a black eye, you know, are you kind of complicit into that? You see what I'm saying? So what people have to understand is, is that when you hear people talking about Black Lives Matter and police, so just just kind of unpacking everything, because I know I said a lot there. Black people, I can't speak for all of them. But I can say the overall majority of black people I know, we do not hate the police. When I hear about a police officer being shot and killed, I'm not sitting up there saying, hey, there we go. We got uh-huh. one. Never. Yeah. I'm just as upset. I'm, you know, just as sad, just like everybody else is. It's a few police officers that got killed in Chicago. And I remember watching a wall to wall coverage about it. And it was just, you know, just as terrible as it could uh-huh. be. You know, I hate to hear that. I hate to see that. But I do want officers who are not doing what they're supposed to do to be reprimanded in the correct way when they do kill somebody, regardless of whatever that somebody's past is. I don't care if George Floyd was past due on child support. I don't care if George Floyd, you know, I don't care if George Floyd did whatever and the police came and you have him in handcuffs, there's no reason to put your knee on his right, neck yeah, eight yeah. and a half minutes. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think, too, that officer, if I remember right, I mean, his record goes back as far as, like, 08. Mm-hmm. And he's had multiple, multiple situations that were fireable offenses that were slaps on the wrist. And stuff like that, I understand. Like, I absolutely understand the argument. Okay, at some point, there's got to be a little bit of reform because you know this guy's a bad apple. He's been a bad apple on paper for 12 years people at all these different departments like his own brothers mm-hmm. in blue are sitting there going dude you got to get this guy out of here this guy's a loose cannon and nothing's done about 
so I, yeah, I see, I guess I see, I see the argument with stuff like that. Of course, I guess when we talk about defund the police, I mean, you know, what exactly does that entail? Cause, and the reason for it too, it goes back to the systemic racism. So you can talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, what exactly, what else is defined besides just like police stuff? Yeah. So when you say like, you know, um, just real quick on the defunding police, it's just wording. I think when people hear the word defunding the police, they get a little nervous and scared. Like, oh, yeah. what do you I mean, do? honestly, it sounds like a terrible idea. Right. But what they're really saying is if you take the police budget and you see how you can maybe take some of those funds and allocate those for some societal issues to see if we yeah. can prov- provide for those neighborhoods and communities that are underserved. And that's absolutely okay. It's the same it's, thing. It's got to be communicated that exactly. way. Exactly. But, but that's the thing. Be based on who you're listening to, people know what defund the police mean, but then they can convey it to you like, oh, they, these people, they're these extreme leftists. They just yeah. want to just change America fundamentals of who they are. That cop that uh-huh. goes out that's serving and protecting his community every uh-huh. day, they, you know, he, the, 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 the people on the left and Black Lives Matter, they just want to, you know, get uh, just blow police stations apart. That's not that's not the case. What people mean when they say defund the police, the the overall majority, again, there could be some extreme people who do mean let's not have a police department at all. We're not talking about those. Yeah. The overall overall majority of people are saying whatever the police budget is, let's see if there's ways we can allocate some of those resources and taxpayer money Uh to fund some of those communities so we don't have to have those types of situations that's happening like how you were mentioning you were in alaska and it was like this domestic violence like thing going on if we could have some of that money in that police department going to domestic violence prevention programs shelters for battered women that kind of a thing then perhaps you don't have as many officers having to serve those calls and endangering their lives you know because nothing is worse than trying to get between a man and a wife and the drunk man you know see what i'm saying you know so if we have those types of things that's what that means. But it's words. When you say defund the police, people get, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But when you say it that way, people will be like, oh, we do it all the time. We take yeah. money from schools and put it here. We take money from here and put it in schools. We, we do that all the time yeah. with taxpayer money. Right. So, again, other systemic things. So, you know, just the way our society view people of people of color. You know, if you were jogging in your community in Nashville, you know, with your gun on your waist as a as a as a law abiding citizen, nobody is going to think of nobody's going to bat an eye at that. If I, Joshua Vincent, uh-huh. I black person run down a public sidewalk with my gun strapped to, to my waist as a legal gun owner, that's going to cause a lot of controversy. People are going to be scared. Why? We're both Tennesseans. We're both legally carried weapons why did the police get caught on me and not you I mean, you uh-huh. see what i'm saying and and, and 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 a lot of times in america we don't like to face that because it's like oh but i'm not racist no 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 no. i get that uh-huh. but if you see somebody of a different race or a different creed and you prejudge them without knowing who they are and what they are then that does make you kind of racist that does make you kind of prejudiced that does make you uh see people in a, in a bad light especially if it's in a bad way so it's one of those things where it's okay to say oh well i have done that in my life Ooh, i kind of feel a little bad about it but how can i do better yeah instead of just saying eh, i don't want to hear about it yeah that's just, oh they still talking about slavery that was 400 years ago 
Yeah. We gave them Obama. Why is there still complaining? Oh, if, 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 if you have that mindset, right, that goes uh-huh. back to the whole NFL thing, right, with the people saying they don't want to watch football no more. If, 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 you, if, if that's your perspective, then uh-huh. there's, there might be an issue there, and you have to kind of reconcile with that. Yeah. But that's what, that's what that, that a lot of that means when people talk about systemic racism is how I'm viewed. When I leave your house right now, Isaac, and if I was to take Poplar and go into Germantown and go uh-huh. into the Apple store, how I'm viewed as a black man walking into the Apple store versus how you are viewed as a white man walking into the Apple store or any other store, you know, that's the societal issues that we have. And it's OK to say, yeah, that's kind of bad. Uh-huh. We as Americans, we're we're not doing well in that department. That's okay. I mean, I'll just conclude with this. Think about it. I remember doing social studies class, right? And we were talking about like integration, and you see the pictures of these little black kids being escorted into Little Rock High School yeah. with the National Guard. Really say that out loud. Like, think about it. America had so much hatred to black people. Not a hundred thousand years ago. We're talking about something that happened within our within our parents' lifetime. Had so much hatred towards black people that the National Guard had to escort nine kids into school while grown adult white people were hollering racial slurs and empathies uh-huh. at them as they tried to go to school. Just education. Just mm-hmm. trying to be yeah. better. You yeah. know? Maybe <laughs> That was a problem just to have a black kid and a white kid in the same classroom. That, and when people talk about those things, oh, that was so long ago. That was our parents' lifetime. Yeah. My grandfather was born in 29. My grandmother was born in 33. My parents were born in 59 and 54. Uh huh. You know, and so that racism didn't just disappear. What do you think happened to those people? Those people had kids and those people, kids, kids had kids. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think yeah. that didn't disappear? <laughs> so, oh, I know. Yeah. So. With all of that being said, I say we have to be, as Americans, true patriots and all of that, right? We have to be able to sit there and say, yeah, that's that's our history. That's what it is. That's what we did. How can we be better? And if we're listening to a group of people that's saying, hey, I'm not just like the whole Black Lives Matter thing. Uh-huh. That's another thing. Let's, let's get into that, right? People, Black Lives Matter? Yeah. So people talk about that group, right? Let's get into that. Okay. We're talking about the organization or we're talking about the sentiment? The sentiment. Okay. Because to be truthful, I don't know really what happened to the organization. When Black Lives Matter first started, I'm going to be honest with you. Black Lives it started Matter, like in, I think, 2013. Yeah, when Black Lives Matter first started, it was by a couple of women back in Florida. I think it was right around the Trayvon situation. Mm-hmm. And a lady just ended her sentence with Black Lives Matter. And then that became like this, this, this catchphrase, if you will. That's basically what it is. It became this phrase and people went around saying it or whatever the case may sure. be. Then this other group came up out of nowhere. I think it was called Blue Lives Matter. And I was confused. I didn't know we had blue people in America. But, you know, we'll, we'll get it to that police. in a second. Yeah. yeah. We'll get to that one in a second. Okay. So we had this Black Lives Matter group. Now. Whether or not, because I'm not going to act like I'm an expert, whether or not Black Lives Matter is some, you know, extremist group, this, that, and the other, I can't honestly say that. I can only say when the people I know that's talking about Black Lives Matter, they're Uh just saying, hey, when I go outside, please treat me as an equal like you would somebody that don't look like me. Simple as that. 
And that's yeah, all they're that, asking yeah. for. When I get pulled over by the police and you ask until you legally search my car and I decline you and then you want to push me out the car and fight with me and then end up subsequently killing me. But you wouldn't do that to somebody who don't look like me. Let's uh-huh. call you out for that. And that's an issue. That's what I understand Black Lives Matter to me. When people are protesting, which is the fundamental American thing, right? We, we yeah. love the protests, you know, whether it's, hey, think about it. Even when people go on strike, that's a form of a protest. Yeah. I see people who are in the streets saying, hey, mm-hmm. we want our voices heard. Nobody is saying, let's go to Macy's and let's go crash into Macy's and steal all the stuff on Michigan yeah. Avenue. That's not Black Lives Matter. That's not that's not yeah. the, what the center point, but, but that's what yeah. people see. Again, it's all words and visual. As somebody who work in the media, I can tell you it's words and visual. 98% of these protests that we're seeing are nice, peaceful things. We've had one in, in the Quad Cities where I was working at Davenport, uh-huh. Iowa. The people stood at the riverfront. They marched. We blocked police, blocked the streets off, let them march up a couple of blocks. Uh-huh. Everybody cheered. Black Lives Matter. People went home. That's what it was. Uh-huh. You had one person who threw a rock through a window. One. That was the lead story for every news station. Yeah. Black Lives Matter protest turns violent. Did it turn violent? You had one person out of 5,000 people through a rock in the window. That's what made it violent. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. But no, yeah. words matter. So think about it. If I'm white and I live in eastern Iowa and I'm looking at the news and I'm watching all these videos of people uh-huh. talking about, oh, my God, I can't believe that. That's crazy. Did you see that protest in Davenport? Yeah, somebody threw a brick through a window. I'm shaking yeah. in my boots. And that's and I'll, I'm viewing the world yeah. in that way. And yeah. it shouldn't be. So I conclude by saying all that. And I know you got some questions for me. So I conclude I couple, by saying yeah. for everybody that's listening. So when we say defund the police, one more time, we're just saying allocating more resources from the police to other things. Instead of having every small police department having tanks because they because they have them. It's crazy. Like it's some it's police stations I visited down in Iowa. They got like tanks like they're getting ready to go to the Middle East somewhere to fight, you know, the Persian Gulf War. Like what is happening here? They got that in rural Iowa. Instead of every police department having tanks, let's allocate some of that money to some of these Issues that we have. Meth is a big problem. You uh-huh. know, heroin, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, that's a big problem in those that parts of the country. Let's invest into our neighborhoods and then perhaps we don't have the little black boy robbing somebody, shooting somebody, because now his parent has a great job and now that little black boy can see that there is a future that I can have versus doing crime. Yeah. So I mean, but why is defund the police even picked in the first place as i mean who i mean who started it you know I, you don't have to know that i'm yeah. just saying if that's not what the the intent is behind it then who decides that's what to call it and then to run with that narrative because i mean if you if you just say it at face value defund the police what does that mean it's like oh all the funding were originally given i'm like to stop doing it and if that's not the case well, I mean, why? I'm just, I'm just asking. Oh yeah, it well, just, because for, for, because like you know, in English, you know, here in America, like we like to have nice little, short little phrases. So like that's that. Uh, it's a process of defunding uh-huh. the police, but I think but pe- it's almost like read, like redirect the funding. <laughs> it is, why don't right. you just say redirect the police? But it's, I, I, it's, yeah. but you see I, it doesn't sound good. But <laughs> yeah. Right, but that's that's what it is, right? So I don't know who came up with it, but people were like, 
when people started looking into how much money cities and local governments were putting into these police stations and police forces across the country, people were like, wow, you know, if we actually moved a few dollars and put that into the neighborhood and actually invested into the police, I mean, invested into the community. So if we defund the police and invest into the communities, like we would have maybe better things going on in our community. And so people that, that start going and right. And people start uh-huh. saying, okay, defund the police, defund the police. And then people who know, what that term mean this is where i get upset with people in the media and as you mentioned it happens on both sides but i see it a lot yeah we, we definitely want media bias. i see i see it a lot on some of those channels they know what these things mean but they will come out to their audience millions and millions of viewers talking about what's going to happen to you and your family they're defunding the police and it's yeah. like you know that's not what they mean yeah so for me i feel like again as, as, as America, you have as Americans, we have uh-huh. to be able to listen to one another and we don't do that anymore. It's, some, it's something that we, we just hear what we want to hear and then yeah. we run with it. You have to be able to listen to the other people. So when people say again, when people say all the viewers, all the people that's listening, when people say defund the police, the premise is let's reallocate resources from the local police stations, whether it's on a city level, the county level, the state level, even the federal level, uh-huh. and put some of that money into some of these troubled communities and see if we can then solve some of the societal problems versus having a lot of these police officers doing this. Because the funny thing is, is that they, they they end up doing this anyway, right? Because if you are a police officer, let's say, okay, look what happened with Breonna Taylor, right? Okay, so she get killed. Regardless of whatever you know about this case, she get killed. Now the city of Louisville got to pay $11 million. 12, yeah. 12, $12 million. Dollar settlement. Yeah. yeah. So, so think about it. If the city of Louisville would have put $12 million to whatever the bad part of Louisville is. I'm not from there. I've never been there. Um, oh, you got to go. It's a great city. Let's say if it's the yeah. east side, that's yeah, kind of I think her was like, I can't remember. Maybe the west side of the city. West side. Okay, let's Southwest, say, downtown. Let's say if the southwest end of the city is kind of rough. If you put $11 million on the southwest side of the city, give those people opportunity. Give those young people the opportunity because that's the demographic you're really targeting. It's not too many 40, 50-year-olds going around shooting people, right? It's yeah. just the young kids that we're worried about. Give some of those young kids something to do. $11 million. Cool. Get some private donors. Donors. They double. Now you got $21 million. You put that into the, the the hard part of Louisville, Kentucky versus your Louisville Police Department, uh-huh. and you tell me what happens. Well, do you know about the opportunity zones that Tim Scott is a South Carolina senator? I think I've heard of them, yes. Really talk about, and think it's a shame because it just gotten passed. And uh, so people don't know he's a, he's a Republican senator, black guy from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know about it until I watch the State of the Union because Trump gave him a shout-out. Now, what's that? And he, I looked more into it. And it's pretty much he is, and it's a shame because like they they passed it and we're about to start it, and then all the COVID stuff hit, mm-hmm. where you go into these um, low income size of cities, mm-hmm. and these big businesses that like a FedEx with a lot of money goes in there and sponsors a part of town, and they pretty much go in there and they give this. It's opportunities zones for it's an opportunity for people to you know you learn a trade, you have a community mm-hmm. center, you have better education. It's just a way for businesses with money and the American people to invest in the communities that don't get the proper funding 
which I, th- I mean, right? I think that's cool. It I mean, sounds I, pretty I, cool. Yeah, from from what I'm understanding, it sounds pretty cool. And it, it, I would say would even be even better is that because Americans we pay our tax dollars, uh-huh. a lot of times we lean on our government, you know, our our corporations to do those things. But I think it's also yeah. be just as great. Like you say, let's say if Memphis and FedEx came together, you say the city of Memphis say, okay, I don't know what their police budget is, but let's say if it's uh-huh. ten million, we're going to give a million and a half of our budget. You give a million and a half, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You can write it off on your taxes. Now we got three million dollars that we can put into Frazier we can put into Whitehaven we can put yeah. into South Haven I think that would be you know great but again when you hear the term defund the police and then you have other people defining it knowing what it means but then they just say what they want it to mean because sure. it kind of goes with their bias or whatever the case may be that's when things get a little complicated but yeah that's simply what it means to defund the police basically means hey um, let's just reallocate resources. Just like Black Lives Matter does not mean we hate white people. Uh-huh. Black Lives Matter does not mean we hate police. Black Lives Matter does not mean any of those things. Again, the saying, again, I, I can't speak to what this group, because uh-huh. as far as I know, I never even knew Black Lives Matter was an actual corporation. So, right, so, right. so if it is, then... so it's a ton of money, too. It's crazy. So, so if it is, then, you know, cool. All right, we'll have to yeah. look into that deeper. But as far as saying Black Lives Matter, Black people are just saying, hey, you know, just treat us like you you would your white counterparts. But then it's kind of like you always have people who just don't really want to hear that. So then they go out and make up Blue Lives Matter. And then this is what's so funny. (laughs) Then you'll have a protest. You have black people saying, hey, we just want to be heard. They're not. I'm not trying to blow up your Wendy's. I'm not trying to burn down your Walmart. I just want to be heard. Then you have people that show up to a rally with Blue Lives Matter flags, Trump flags, talking about go back to where you came from. Why? You know, like uh, where does that, where did that's not conducive either. <laughs> right. Like what does that do for the general? And, and, and that's what you have happen. Yeah. So often. Well, yeah, man, there's a lot. And I, we can get into, <laughs> before we go into media bias, go ahead. it's just with the stuff we're seeing, because I think after George Floyd, one, and I'll say it, one good thing that came out of George Floyd in the immediate aftermath is for the first time in a long time, we reunited on something. Yeah. I think that was one where, um, I can't again. I can't speak for all white people, all conservatives, because I mean, it's, honestly, I don't really picture myself being white. I don't really think about being white. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I am. <laughs> but okay. uh, I'm always thinking about like from a Christian standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I address them? That's what I was thinking about first and foremost. I try to at least. But the George Floyd thing, everybody was united. Every white person I knew, every conservative, every liberal, every independent, every libertarian, every Christian, non-Christian, whatever. It didn't matter what you believe, what you looked like. Everybody looked at that. The video was disturbing. It was unsettling. Nobody agreed it was right. Nobody was like, oh, wow, no matter what, I'm going to side with police because blue lives matter. I mean, it was one where we could, we could distinguish. Mm-hmm. And then we find out about the guy's track record. And then, again, there's always more to it. We have to get into media bias at some point. Because then it came out months later about like the 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 levels. Uh, George Floyd was on like fentanyl and... I don't know if it was meth. I don't want to, I don't want to, I know fentanyl and there's a couple other like pharmaceutical drugs mm-hmm. he was on and he was overdosing, which is why he was freaking out when he was saying he couldn't breathe. Cause he was saying that in the body cam footage before he was the guy at his knee, right. which again, the guy's knee and law enforcement came out and military people came out that to do all that kind of de- like detaining. And they go, that's not right. We actually, we, we got away. We got rid of that. We mm-hmm. went away with it. That's not the right approach. That's not the right way. So yeah, anyway, we were all united when we looked at it and said, wait a minute, this isn't right. Right. And then you see the protests and you go, yeah, the protests were going all over at this point. And everyone looked at that and go, yeah, that, that's good. They're peaceful protests. People, I mean, it's it reminded me of the uh, I Am A Man mm-hmm. where everyone was locked arms. They're walking down. They had their sign. And instead of saying I Am A Man, it said Black Lives Matter. 
which everyone for the first time ever was like, yeah, black lives matter. The problem is with anything, especially something like that is it got hijacked because I, I saw some people's social media reports that went to the Memphis protest, Nashville protest, uh, Chicago protest. Mm-hmm. I actually went up to Minneapolis right when it was all happening. I got there and nothing was stuff was bad before I got there. But by the time I was up there, it was, it had all cooled down. National guard had just got there. But, uh, it all got it all got hijacked because these people at these protests are saying, "Hey, just want to let you know, all the like the Black Lives Matter protesters that showed up, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just black people; it was people of all color. They were there protesting together. They had already left or begun to leave when other people from out of state showed up and started protest. And you can call it the other BLM, which wasn't part of the original BLM protest, right?" And it actually may have been part of the organization or may have been just part Probably of that hijacked it. More than likely not. And yeah. then um then there's like Antifa. But Ooh. this is, okay, so, okay. So, so all these all this stuff comes in afterwards. Mm-hmm. And here it is. It's peaceful yeah. and America's united and we're all in agreement. And then suddenly something like Black Lives Matter that everyone can agree on gets hijacked. And then now you're seeing the stuff where I drove into Marshall Fields mm-hmm. and I'm in there looting. And then people and again, the media goes that's black lives matter. And I go, well, I know people that I trust them and they were at a protest and they go, Oh no, it was peaceful. We all left at that point. That wasn't us. That wasn't them. And then you find out these people coming from out of state. They're not even citizens. Yeah, of that state, And they come in and they just want to stir up trouble, which is why I always think there's a lot more at play. So you know? this, so, so, so let's get into that. So this is what makes life so interesting. A few things that you said first, I, I admired the part, like when you were talking about George Floyd and everybody came together and everybody thought that the video was, you know, was just egregious to see. And then you kind of went into a little bit, of, you were kind of saying like, but then we learned about his track record and his drug use, this, that, and the other. That's all mute. That's, that's all well, saying that when that came out later. Yeah, when I that just came find out later. It, you know, isn't yeah. this interesting? Well, that's what, that's how that works, works like, right? So with, with the media... Oh man. And not the media cuz it's not like, you know, Lord, we call yeah, yeah. yeah we media, call yeah. yeah, you know, the media there are people who make it a job to say, well, let me dig into this person's past yeah, and, and frame it a certain way. And frame it a certain way. And again, we'll get into that in a second, but yet yeah, words matter, right? But but you're right. Everything everybody was on the same page. Everybody saw that George Floyd video and thought, "Oh wow, this is crazy." This that and the other. And and you know, people uh-huh. were committing to protests or whatever the case may be. But then as you mentioned, when the protests start getting hacked, whether it was, like you say, some extreme people who say that they're Black Lives Matter. Like, I remember I was watching a protest in Minneapolis and everybody was doing peaceful. Yeah. And it was this white guy that came in and, you know, they, it was all on Twitter and everything. And CNN, everybody, Fox News, everybody played the video. This white guy came in and he, like, burned down this 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 business. And he wasn't a part of this protest or whatever. We don't know if, you know, if he was some white, right, right, right ring, not white ring, but right ring extremist or if he was Antifa, whatever. whatever. You know, we don't know who this person was, but this person did that. Right. So what happens? You see Minneapolis aflame. Right. Minneapolis is unstable. What rhetoric do you hear? This is why words matter. Right. Never once did I hear my president of the United States, and I say my president not because I voted for him, but I'm saying my president because I'm an American and he is the president. Never once did I hear my president say, this isn't, you know, the peaceful protesters. This isn't Black Lives Matter or what we know. We all saw the George Floyd video that was disgusting. I'm hearing about democratic ran cities. I'm hearing about all the other things that smoke and screen. It doesn't really even matter to what's 
actually transpiring in Minneapolis or in Portland or in Chicago or in New York or any of those other places. And so what happens if you're watching the news, depending on what news you watch, depending on where do you sit on the political aisle, you can turn in and think that, okay, these were some peaceful protesters, but then things got a little chaotic and people start acting a fool. Or you can think, oh, there are those black people again, just acting the fool, burning Chicago down, burning Minneapolis down, burning all these different places down. Uh-huh. And again, words matter. So in the in the perfect world, I wish what you were saying is true. I wish that it was a fact that everybody was looking at what was going on in Minneapolis saying, hey, you know what? This is crazy. We need to come together as Americans and figure this out. I wish that was still the rhetoric today. Yeah. But it's not because something as simple as and I don't mean simple to say like it wasn't a bad thing, but something as agitators coming in, hijacking a protest. And now that becomes the headline because, again, you know, that's that's just how that works all heck break loose and then that's what we understand that protest to be and the same thing could be said you look at like the guy kyle and you and i we discussed that on twitter kenosha wisconsin kenosha wisconsin okay jacob blake was his name if i'm not Uh mistaken again his history whether he had domestic violence going on whether he had you know seven kids didn't pay child support none of that matter that man was walking and the police three of them couldn't contain him how? I don't know. Because yeah. Jacob Rice looked like I could beat him up as, as skinny as he is, and I don't even fight. So so the three of them couldn't contain this man, taser this man or any of this man, but they could put seven bullets in him. So that's what they did. Okay, so he survived. He didn't die, right? Kenosha, Wisconsin, what do you have? You have some kid from Antioch. You're not even from Kenosha. You're not from Wisconsin. You have no ties to this community. You decide you're going to come up there with a with a gun to go paint. You didn't come to Wisconsin to just paint like most normal people would have done. You could have he could have came up there, painted and took himself right back Interstate 95 on the Tri-State Tollway and went right on back to Lake County, Illinois, where he's from. No, no, no. He didn't do that. Oh, he's 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 the police now. He's walking around. He's walking down the street. Hey, hey, the police even telling him, hey, get back from over here. Oh, I'm with you guys. I'm with you. So you're a police officer now. You're protecting and serving America. You have no right to do any of those things and things get into it. People arguing with you, you arguing with people. And now apparently somebody might be chasing you or whatever the case may be. Now you end up killing two people. And guess what? The words matter. Nobody is saying in that conservative rim, that Republican rim, not conservative, but Uh that Republican, nobody is saying, hey, no, he should never been there. He should have been at home. He said, what are they saying? They're, they're holding him up like he's Jesus Christ almost, right? Like they're acting like he's just this great guy. Like, oh, he was a patriot. How? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, and, and, yeah, and, that's and, a tough one. Is it tough? Yeah. I'm, well, okay, okay. Go ahead. Let's let's <laughs> go okay. ahead. Isaac. And again, I got to refresh myself on the details. So it's tough because, like, I think as a parent, I wouldn't want my kid doing it. Okay. I mean, think, I, I I mean, I wouldn't be up there. I didn't I didn't run into. No, I was in Louisville when Breonna Taylor happened. I was in Minneapolis a couple of days after George Floyd. The video was released. I mean, I, I've been in a couple of situations. Not there for pro. I was there for other things, of course. Yeah. But I was there, and I, I never like went out of my way looking for it. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: there there was nothing good going on. I I know originally he was there to do like a community cleanup, and people admire him for that. I just think as a parent, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't want my kid there. I think at some point you got to say, "No, I know you want to help, but leave that to the professionals." Like that's their job. 
they have the the funding, they have the authority, they have not as much training as they need, mm-hmm. but they have more training than you. Oh, you're a 17 year old with an right. AR, exactly. You know, and so I wouldn't even trust. I mean, part of it's like bold. I get it. The other part's just foolish. Like that's that's where I think it's tough because what we're seeing is, I mean, law enforcement. The downside to all the stuff that's going on is there are again there with anything there are a lot of of good law enforcement mm-hmm. officers but now because of what's going on they're apprehensive to do their job and so a lot of people just aren't acting you think i don't want to be on the wrong side of history here i don't want to terminate my career or put my family in jeopardy i'm just not going to act because i mean look at look what happens to some of these officers that and again when your life's on the line and you may not you may not make the right decision you don't know that at the time when your heart reaches through the roof and you can't feel yeah, your knee i'm not disagreeing so, with that yeah so like you're seeing that so if you're thinking okay Law enforcement can't do their job. These people have come in from another state to just torch the city. These businesses are asking people to step up with their Second Amendment right and protect. And this kid thinks, all right, I'm going to do that. Now, I guess, and the reason, only reason I can say all that is because from what I remember and what I saw the details is the one dude who shot at him first, they got shot in the arm. He didn't get killed, but he got shot and he had the nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. Is him and his family, like his cousin and his brother and stuff, we're talking about on social media how he wanted to shoot the kid with the AR first, just, you know, didn't like the kid, didn't like what he was there doing and regretted not shooting him in the head when he had a chance. And when he got shot in the arm, you see he had the gun and he was pointing at the so, kid's so, head. So make sure be sure I'm getting this straight because I've never read anywhere that Kyle got shot. No, no, Kyle didn't. It was oh. a guy with a nine millimeter. It was shot. a guy with a nine millimeter. He got millimeter. shot in the oh, arm by okay. Kyle. And you see it when, when, when Kyle's down on the ground <clears> and he's shooting at the people, <clears> the one guy comes and he puts the gun right up to the, to Kyle's head and that's when Kyle swings the AR barrel around and shoots the guy in the arm, and the guy drops his 9mm. But the thing that came out was there's like a Facebook screenshot of the guy with the 9mm, like his brother, and he was talking about how he wanted to kill the kid with the AR, Kyle, and he regretted not shooting him when he had the chance. And then he went up there, and they shot at him, which is why he fled. Because number one, people look at it and go, it's fool. I think it's foolish to be alone. Like the kid, Kyle's alone, whether he's in the right and the wrong. Yeah. If you're there trying to play militia, like why are you alone? Number one, like stay around the cops, <laughs> stay around the other people that are there to protect businesses. If they are trying to flush you out, you need to get out of there and leave. I don't get why you run it. So he gets shot at and he runs off alone. And this, again, too, it all comes out later. So I think there's a lot of media bias. Yeah, but, it, 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 yeah for sure. So then he, so that's why I'm saying it's tough because we don't always know the full story and we probably still don't now. It's we just more don't. stuff came out it's, in the yeah. aftermath. And that's when I go, he shouldn't have been there. His parents should have been parents. He should have been foolish. He shouldn't have been naive to say, I'm going to be the 17 year old hero, dude. It's great. You want to help. I mean, but that's but stay home. That's stay home. I, like I'm staying home and I love the second amendment. You I, know? I agree. And, and, but this is so, so I'm glad Isaac brought up a great, a great point. If you guys heard, he was like, you know, hey, you, if you want to go and play militia, stay by the police, this, that, and the other. That's the cool thing about being, you know, a white citizen. Do you think me and my black friends could have went up to Kenosha with some guns talking about we going to protect some businesses? Absolutely Well, I've not. seen videos of <laughs> these groups now. Yeah, recently, where, like, it'll be black guys. And the thing is, I don't know if it's because they're conservative. I mean, the Second Amendment's always tied to conservatism for some reason. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing that conservatives like the Constitution. I think it's good. I like the Constitution. I, I think, think it's for everybody. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like, oh, they're all a bunch of, you know, black guys with ARs walking around. Oh, they're conservatives, so we'll you know, we'll protect them. We know their their mm-hmm. hearts in the right place. I mean, you can't say that argument. No one's hearts in the right place. But I mean I I mean I think the Second Amendment's for everyone. I think it, 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 and it and should be, is, right? Yeah, I think you should be but, able but, to 
go out there and that, but that kind of goes walk to around that, the AR. That, that that philosophy of you know Alton Alton is right. It ought to be you know, but yeah. is it? And so that's the thing, right? So you know, when you say okay, Kyle, you know, plan militia, this kind uh-huh. of thing, you know, that's a, 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 and we'll get into that when people talk about like white privilege. That's oh, yeah, kind of like a privilege. Yeah, that, 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 that that's kind of like a privilege of a white person because I can guarantee you that. I couldn't go to the South side of Chicago and get some legal gun owners and say, we're going to go up to Kenosha and we're going to, you know, patrol the streets, me and my black friends walking around Kenosha. You, I, I don't know. Again, I, again, and, 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 and if you saw something, please send it my way in the email. Uh-huh. I'll definitely check it out. I didn't verify it. I've never seen a group of black people walking around in any of these cities and the law abiding citizens with guns legally can have them and the police were like oh, okay good job Jerome never <laughs> I'm just keep keeping it real right, yeah, right? No, that's it's good. A, but 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 as a white American as a white citizen you have you can do that right you can you and your friend if you wanted to you you are a legal gun owner you could say hey me and some of my friends back in Nashville we're legal gun owners we're gonna you know protect Nashville and, and, and nobody's gonna bat an eye I couldn't do that do you think an Asian could do that this isn't a trick that's, question. That's, that's, that's a good question. Honestly, if I uh, Asians like a group of Asian like a kids, group of Asian like kids, us, could they show up with firearms? I don't to really think that they could. Play Army Man. I honestly don't think that they could. You think white people are the only? I group think so. That could get I away honestly with it? do. And if I'm wrong, really? I'm wrong. I honestly well, I mean, do. Yeah, I think we know. It's just I, hypothetical. Yeah, I, you know, I don't. I can tell you some people who couldn't. I know some Middle Eastern pe- people with, uh-huh. with, with some things on their head. <laughs> I know they couldn't, and uh-huh. they could be American citizens. Yeah, but they come from the Middle East. They couldn't. I grew up in not after nine eleven. It was almost a it was almost an American right to be racist against people who were from the Middle East after nine eleven. Like yeah. again, you know, I know you were like, much again, younger yeah, than me. Yeah, emotions were high. I remember. It, it was crazy, right? I'm saying they couldn't. They could not after nine eleven stand in front of their mosque with, AK, with, with, with ARs talking about we 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 defending our mosque. Oh heck no! They couldn't do that. You see what I'm saying? Oh no, I know. Yeah, I get so, it. I get so it, yeah. it's like you know they couldn't. I don't think my 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 brown brothers. I don't think that they could. My Mexicans, Latinos. You know, I don't think that they could. And I know us black folks could. So so the point that I'm making is is that you know that's as Americans, right? That don't make America uh-huh. a bad place because people hear that and be like, oh, this is just some liberal guy. No 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 no. They don't they don't know how I vote, right? Uh-huh. What I'm saying is is that. We as Americans should be able to say, yeah, that is crazy. That's kind of messed up. You're right. You know, yeah. if, if if Kenosha police saw 10 black folks walking around with some ARs, will they be able to say, hey, can we, you guys need some water? I don't think they're going to tell DeMariante that. I don't think that at all. I don't think so. I'm just saying, I don't think so. I'm like, Stephen, I don't think they will. So I say that to say, you know. That's that's some areas of improvement that we got to work on as Americans, and 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 it shows you how we can. It's great to see that, right? Because as Kyle, growing up in the northwest uh-huh. suburbs of Chicago, the way he see the world uh-huh. versus myself growing up in the south suburbs of Chicago, predominantly black, and how I see the world is completely different. Because Kyle probably felt as an American, he had the right to go up to Kenosha to yeah. bear these arms and Guarantee to protect these yeah. these businesses. Whereas, as a legal gun owner myself, I couldn't I couldn't do that. Yeah, Mm-mm, I couldn't. Now, maybe if I knew somebody, like let's say, okay, you own a jewelry store, I'm inside of your jewelry store with a gun. And excuse me, you know, a police officer and we and it's noted like, OK, Josh is cool. Yeah. Maybe. 
but I just couldn't show up with me, Demariante, and Lebronte, and we outside with our guns talking about, yeah, we finna defend this uh-huh. chicken shop. Y'all ain't finna burn this down. No, sir. Boy, we would have been dead. Okay, do you think if, let's just say in a perfect world, we could overcome that mm-hmm. right there. Do you think if we started having proper Second Amendment training, I'm talking classes, I mean, talking small arms, tactical, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. gun safety, gun education, just firearm safety. Do you think if we could start equipping like Southside Chicago, for instance, high crime, low mm-hmm. poverty or high poverty, low income. Right. Um, do you think if we had more initiative and education around the idea of the Second Amendment that we could um, start taking out these crime rates in these areas? <sighs> No, not necessarily because I don't really think that having more armed people is going to be the root of the crime issue, right? So for for from my understanding, when you think of crime, there's a lot of crime that's happening because of issues that led up to that, right? So let's t- stay with me for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Let's say a black woman has a kid, right? Now she's a single parent. The father decides to run away. Whatever. Cool. All right. So now she's raising this young boy. She's living in Chicago and she's struggling as it is. Right. Cool. American story. That's what we know. She has two jobs. She's trying her best to keep her kid on a straight arrow, but she's working sun up to sundown, literally. And when she sent her kid off to school, he come back. She's not at home. He's basically raising himself or he's raising a couple of other siblings. Right. All right. So. He's seeing all of this. He's seeing the stress. He's hearing his mom argue with bill collectors. He's seeing the comment. That's the electric company in Chicago to pass due notices. He's understanding that Uh all these things are happening. Now he's 13, 12, 14 years old. This guy rolls pie in this nice car. He's big rims. He's a drug dealer. This kid, he don't do drugs. He's not even into drugs. But the guy tell him, hey, you know what? If you take this brown box and you stay on 71st Street, you take it over to 79th Street, I'll give you $1,000. He do that. Yeah. I'll just do it once. All right, he do yeah. it again. I, now he's a drug trafficker and don't even realize it. So now he's understanding the danger of his job. So now the drug dealer give him a gun. He say, okay, well, you got to be safe because now I'm sending you to 87th Street. Now I'm sending you to 95th Street. Now your journey is becoming a little further. You got a little money on you. Now you can go downtown to Chicago and buy you a real Louis belt now. You know what I'm saying? And and and, and that's what happens. Uh-huh. So now this kid is making this money. Now he's in the drug game. Yeah. Now he's become a whole drug dealer. Didn't even realize that that happened basically overnight and over time. That's the story of a lot of people that live yeah. in the inner city, right? Yeah, I've seen a lot of it here in Memphis yeah, working inner city stuff. Exactly. So where am I going with that? What I'm saying is, is that that's where your crime problem is. So I don't think me learning more about the Second Amendment or others in that area learning more about the Second Amendment is going to prevent little Demarion from moving bricks from 71st Street to 95th. Uh-huh. I think I have to explain to little Demarion that there is more to life than this. And how do I explain to somebody that going to school, getting a high school education, going off to college and, 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 and getting a, a BA in something will be a better life for you when your mom is struggling to pay her light bill when you don't have anything to eat how do i convince you that education is so worthy for something that could happen to you when you're 25 and 26 years old but when you're 12 you're already the man of the house right 
And so what I want people to understand, regardless of where you sit on the aisle, conservative, whatever, that's a day in the life of a lot of black Americans. So, yeah, I think it's 77 percent. Mm-hmm. As yeah, right now, our single parent homes. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a yeah. bad thing, and so it's one of those things where it's kind of like you have to look at the root of the problem, and then you try to figure out like, well, how do we take care of those children, right? Uh-huh. How do we take care of those kids? And 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 a lot of times, those kids are forgotten about, and you have a lot of people who be like, oh, I'm pro life, I'm pro life, right? I'm Christian, I'm conservative, I'm pro life, I'm pro life, and it's like, okay, cool, you'll do everything that you can to protect this embryo. But then when that kid is 12 and 13 years old in the drug game, you're looking at it like, mm, yeah. that's a Chicago problem or that's a South Side problem. I'm living in my nice little community in the Northwest suburbs. I don't have those issues here. That's 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 a Chicago. That's the South Side thing. We live in we live in Winneka. We live in the North Suburb. That's not us. Or here in Memphis for people to localize it. No, I live in Collierville. That's the Frazier problem. Uh-huh. We have to correct the societal issues. So they kind of just bring our whole conversation back full circle. When you talk about, oh, well, defunding the police. Oh, well, we're not talking about killing police officers. We're not talking about burning up police stations. We're saying, hey, if you use some money from those police stations, and we always look for big business, like you were talking about, like the Tim Scott thing and FedEx. That sounds yeah. good. And again, I have to look into that. That sounds really good. Yeah. But I'm not looking for FedEx to save Memphis. I'm looking for Memphis taxpayers to save Memphis. You see what I'm saying? Which should. Which should, yeah. right? So everyone in politics is rich. Exactly. You know? Right. So I'm Stuff saying the same. let's 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 save Memphis. I yeah. want Frazier to look like Collierville. I want Whitehaven to look like South Haven. That's right across the border, even though I know it's Mississippi. But still, I want South yeah. Haven to look like Whitehaven. I want East Memphis and Bartlett and all these areas to look like each other. Well, then that way, the way Isaac grow up, grew up and the way I grew up, we can all pretty much have that same path. Whereas there aren't those disadvantages and Isaac, yeah. you have some people who try to act like that doesn't even exist. They just be like, Oh, this is America. I pulled myself up. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you hear people saying that. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be, and able it, it works for some people. And All it right. does. Yeah. Speaking of that, I'm grabbing some coffee, but you can talk. Okay. Uh, explain to me, define white privilege. All right. Sounds good. So when people use the term white privilege and they're like, well, what does that mean? Cause I, I don't really feel like I have white privilege. You know, what does that even really mean? Well, white privilege basically means that you have the ability to do things and have access to things based on the fact of your, you being white and, and the way you grew up. And so Kyle Wittenhouse is a great example of that. He had the privilege to say, as an American, I got guns or somebody I know got guns. I can go out here as a white boy, 17, young white man. I can go out here with this AR and protect and defend Kenosha, Wisconsin, a city that I'm not from. Whereas we all know everybody that's listening. If you saw six black men walking around with some AR guns talking about we are defending this neighborhood, you are calling 911 without hesitation. That is a great (laughs) definition of white privilege. And what we have to do is it's okay to admit that. And it's okay to say, you know what? Yeah, that is true. That's just one example. You know, another thing is, is what we were talking about earlier before we got on and we were talking about like the GI bill and all of that and how, you know, uh, uh, when when the suburbs were blooming and things like that, and that's something that our parents and grandparents could tell you all about. You know how they were able to get you know low risk loans, you know, and be able to take out a loan on the house and go get those things just based uh-huh. the fact that you know the color of their skin. 
oh, you're a white man. I think you'll pay me back. Oh, you're a black man. I'm not so sure. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Those things. So people, white people were able to create generational wealth. And when you're able to create generational wealth, think about it. You're 16, 17, 18 years old. When you got ready to go off to college, maybe you didn't have to worry about having a part-time job to help pay the bills for the house. Whereas that's not the same in a lot of black communities and a lot of black homes. That's not to make you feel bad about your upbringing. That's not to say that you're a bad person, but do understand that everybody around you didn't have those opportunities. And a lot of people don't even like to admit to that. So it's, it's so when people talk about right privilege, we're not saying that white people got this secret credit card that they can go buy everything that they want. No, no, no. That's not what we're saying. We're just saying that society here in America has offered white people opportunities that a lot of black and other people didn't get a chance to have. So have compassion for that. So when you tell people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and my, one of my favorite quotes by Martin Luther King is, is, you know, how do you tell a bootless man to pull himself up by his bootstraps? The man ain't got no boots. How are you going to do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And, and, and people will be like, oh, well, yeah, that makes a point. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But, but that's what happens a lot of times. You know, I mean, Isaac, I don't know your background, but think about your background in this sense. You know, did you grow up in a two-parent household? Yep. Did you, both of your parents pretty much have careers? Yeah, they both work, yeah. Always so, have. So when I say, like, careers, like, you know, do your did your dad have a job where when he wanted to take a family vacation that he actually got paid while he was off work because he had vacation time? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I'm well, just, I mean, now. But my dad's always had different jobs, and my mom's been a teacher. Gotcha. But I'm just saying, uh, yeah. but traditionally, a lot of people have those kind of jobs. Do you notice a lot of people who have jobs? Like, remember when the coronavirus thing was going on and people oh, yeah. wanted to take off work? People were kind of afraid because they were like, if I take off work, I lose a day's pay. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm 30 years old. Isaac, I didn't get a job like that where I can take off work. You know, let's say tomorrow. I mean, Saturday, let's say I don't feel like going to work. I can call off work and say I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm taking a personal today and I still get paid my eight hours as if I went to work. You know, I didn't get a job like that until I was like 28. Uh huh. And there's people that work jobs every day that if they take off work, they lose a whole day of pay. But is that. Okay, so is that like a non-white issue, though? Well, yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to corner you. I'm just, oh, I'm just no, 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 no. Because like white privilege as a whole, and like yeah. I talked about before, from the way it's been defined to me, mm-hmm. it's either, like recently, it's been the way police treat you. That's right. been the biggest like white privilege definition. Yeah. Which that's what I'm saying. There's got to be way more to it. Mm-hmm. Or if that's it, I think that's a terrible definition of white privilege. It's just the police side. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's and then, yeah. then it's stuff where it's like, oh, historically... And I guess the only downside to that thing is, yeah, it was around when our parents were born or mm-hmm. right before they were born. So it's not that old of an issue. But we're talking about stuff happening right now. Now, if we're talking about like the trickle down. Yeah, but, the, but like, that's the thing. It the stuff down. that happened yeah. there, the problem is just, I don't know. It's tough because I guess me personally, mm-hmm. and again, I can't speak for every white person. It's just I, I try to avoid generalizations. Right. And so for something like, like an idea of white privilege. And it's not, I don't feel taxed. Like, again, I don't really think about being white. And so people say, well, that right there is a form of privilege. Okay, that, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> right, I, mean right. I don't because I, I had zero control over being born white. No, I it, think, and like, it doesn't, it doesn't determine the way I act because like I try as hard as I can to, okay, if I'm a Christian, that comes first. And like, there's something I'm answering to that is higher than myself. Exactly. And, and there's a different authority. That. So it's like, if, if the Bible is my basis for decision-making and that's my ultimate authority, it's not like, how do I feel today as a white person? It's like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to think right. as a Christian? And I know that not everyone thinks that way. And I'm not, definitely not perfect at it. I'm not trying to say that I am. Mm-hmm. But 
so from what I'm hearing about, you know, being like, and I, and I and I'm definitely privileged. I'm definitely blessed. Yeah. Because like the idea of being born into a, a two parent household, they never got divorced. My parents always had jobs, or if they were out of like, if my, you know, my dad switched jobs, or my mom was out of whatever it was. I mean, she was she's always been a teacher. She always had summers off. But like, I mean, the Lord always provided. So like, parents worked hard. But then there's stuff too where the way people define like, oh, because you're white you're going to automatically like be a certain like tax bracket. And you're like, well, and, and I'm not saying you are, yeah, but like yeah. a lot of the narrative is coming out that way to go do, I bought my own car with my own money working 70 hours a week, you right. know? And so it kind of gets tough where you're telling black people or people of color or people, people that aren't white, mm-hmm. even mixed people. And it's like, Oh, you're just never going to, you're never going to level up to a white person because you weren't born with that inerrant privilege. So you're not inherently privileged and, or mm-hmm. it's saying, you didn't actually do anything to earn that because you were white and you're privileged. So both of those are, I think, demeaning to everybody. I think it I devalues that, I everybody. That. So, but, but again, when people talk about like white privilege, they're just basically saying like, as a white person, there are certain things in life that you had access to or that you will have access to that a lot of black people or other people who are not white will not have access to. Take a look at just like, a conversation about the flag, right? And people talk about that in America. And uh-huh. You're talking about the other. Confederate flag? No, right? no, no, American flag. <laughs> I'm not, oh, no, no, no. Oh, right. Oh, oh God. Breaking news. Oh, no. No, no the, the, the American yeah. flag, right? And you have so many people. Oh, my God, that was just so disrespectful. What Colin Kaepernick did, you know, my flag, my country, my country, my country. Keep in mind that a lot of people can identify with that American way of life and flag based on how they were brought up and, and what, life was like for them as an American but think about all the other people who were also brought up in that same America that didn't have that think about like okay like I'm black right and you say my dad and mom were born during integration and so the the trauma that they experienced just going to a school they didn't have a voice into whether they want to go to Mm -hmm. a white people's school or not (laughs) their kids right (laughs) so the trauma that they experienced and then you bring up my grandparents who left the South, came up to Chicago. What part of the South were they in? Mississippi. Okay. Left Vicksburg, Mississippi. They're like deep South. Yeah, deep South, right? Coming up to Chicago, trying to get a house, but they can only live in certain areas of the yeah. city, even yeah. though they got more money than some of these white families, but they can only go with this. You, know, you right, see what yeah. I'm saying? So, so you... All of the, so when you talk about things that are historical, look at all of that trauma and everything that mm-hmm. happens from when my grandparents were born in the late 20s, early 30s. My parents were born in the mid 50s to me born in the late 80s, early 90s. That still exists to this day, whereas your lineage may be completely different, whereas other white people lineage may be completely different. What I want white people to understand is I don't want you to feel bad because, well, I grew up white and I grew up in a two-parent household. I, too, grew yeah. up in a two-parent household. Yeah, Just that itself is yeah, a privilege. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I don't want, you know, anybody to feel bad or anything. I just want people to understand that, you know, empathy goes a long way. Sure. So you have to be able to, and, and like you talk about, like being a Christian and that kind of thing, right? You have to be able to empathize with people and understand that everybody haven't had the same yeah. route in life. So don't judge them based on the color of their skin or what they do or the choices that they made, try to judge them on who they are as the person. It sounds good, right? It sounds yeah. simple. In a perfect a world, t- it works. In a yeah. perfect world, it works, but a lot of times that's not the case. So when people talk about white privilege, that's kind of what they mean. They mean like, hey, you can go into Wal, you can go into Target, 
and act a fool and say you don't want to wear a mask and nothing other than yeah, being just, shamed yeah. on social media that's perfectly fine i couldn't go into a store and not abide by a rule whether it's a mask or whatever and not have the police come to me and getting ready to beat me up you see what i'm saying and, and, and that's just a fact just like we were talking about kyle kyle Wittenhouse up there in, in illinois i couldn't as a black man as a legal gun owner say you know what i don't think that's cool what they're doing in kenosha me demariante lebronte we're about to go up here and we're going to defend kenosha uh-huh. we could never do that we could never have a militia but yeah. white americans can you're right. The Second Amendment is for everybody, right? I mean, right. we're all second. You know, we're all yeah. Americans. If if I got my fingerprints and I'm clean and I'm illegal to have this gun, yeah, should not be able to. But yeah. in reality, I'm not. And 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 you have a lot of people who'll be like, oh, there they go, race baiting. I'm not race baiting. We're just speaking the fact, and it's okay to say, yeah, that's messed up. In America, we got to do a little better by that. Yeah. And that's and and, and if, yeah. if and if anybody listens to this podcast, I just that's what I want. That's what I want to leave people with understanding that it's okay to look back and look in the mirror and say, yeah, I did some messed up things. Yeah. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? As America, there was some messed up things about it, but that doesn't make me anti-American. That doesn't make me hate America. That doesn't, I love America. I think every black person that I know love America. Yeah. But well, I mean, there's definitely not been a better time. I think. Yeah, I mean, for sure. In, well, <laughs> well, maybe I can't say being American, but like yeah. as of right now, this is the most progressive mm-hmm. we've ever been most inclusive we've ever been. There's stuff maybe that needs to be changed, but you have stuff where, you know, it's, it's good. Like you said, yeah, we're I, having I like education. The, we're having. I like the fact that we're sitting down here now. Yeah. Think about it. Some 50, 60 years ago, this wouldn't be a thing, right? So yeah. unless uh, so, you were Sammy Davis Jr., maybe, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's kind of like you know, yeah, I don't want people to yeah. think like you know we hate America or anything like that. I just right, want people right. to make sure you know that we understand that you know that is a thing. So when people just to conclude, when people talk about white privilege. You know, that's kind of what they mean. You can go to like like we were just saying, well, historically, you know, that may have been something that happened with our parents. Think about it. Our parents and our parents, parents, a lot of them, they're still around. They're still owning business. So imagine, you know, Isaac, white man going to a car dealership. Let's say you make forty five thousand dollars. You got a six thirty credit score. Ah, Joshua Vincent, same thing. That white man that grew up in that era, in that time with that same perspective might just say, all right, you can have this $50,000 car. Might just look at me and tell me, oh, you can go to the used car lot. That's why that's the definition of white privilege. That's nothing that you did wrong, but that's just the definition of white privilege and understanding that that's kind of how that can be. Right. You and your friends living in this nice, beautiful house here in East Memphis now. I might can go over to some of these houses and say, hey, I'm a black guy. I make X amount of dollars a year. I got a pretty decent credit score. They might look at me and be like, mm, you might need a co-signer. Uh-huh. Whereas somebody white can come over here. Hey, me and a couple of my college buddies, we want to move in. Oh, yeah, sure. Come on. Now, again, do you think that's white versus just black Americans or white versus all Americans white versus that aren't all, white? Yeah, but white versus all Americans that aren't white. You know, we. You know, I can only speak from the black experience because I'm sure. black. I don't know, you know, what the experience of Mexican Americans, you know, nobody else. Yeah. But I can say, just as a black man, that's something that you know we see happening every day, and it's like that doesn't. I don't want my white friends to feel bad about it. I just want my white friends to know, like, all right, you know, that is a thing. And one day you're going to get married. One day you're going to have kids. You have friends. You have parents. To be able to say, you know what, I was talking with my buddy Josh, and he really kind of opened my eyes on a few things. When they say defund the police, this is kind of what they mean. 
that right there could kind of start a conversation within, you know, again, because you're in a more conservative circle than I, yeah. that right there can start a conversation. But it's kind of like, you know, if nobody ever had that conversation, yeah. they're going to just think whatever. Yeah, definitely fine. Talk. Definitely have to talk about it. Uh, last topic. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you also for being so cooperative and under- <laughs> and uh, answering all these questions, man. No problem. Uh, media bias. Media bias. Okay. Do you think the media is biased? In general, we're talking media as a whole, not individual conglomerates. Mm-hmm. I'm talking media as a whole, just profession. Profession. Is or are media biased? I would say yes and no. Uh, okay. All right. Let me explain. Because you're, you're working. I'm working. Yeah, you're working I'm, media, I'm a part. That's I, why. I work in the media. So this is this is what I would say. I think to a certain extent, a lot of people don't really know what the role is of the reporter. So let's kind of break that down a little bit. People like don't what really, you do. Yeah, as okay. a reporter, I don't think most people really know that. I give you a great example. Over in Tennessee, over in Nashville, uh-huh. uh, it was this reporter that broke news about. The Tennessee Titans held a private practice when they're not supposed to because of the coronavirus and within that team. And the reporter is getting all this flack on social media being called a rat, a snake, he a white, you know, older white guy broke this news over in Nashville. And all the people are so upset about it. Why would you break that? Why would you say that you're a rat? You're a snake. That's why nobody like you in Nashville. Da, 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 right. That's what they're saying. Uh-huh. Okay. What's the problem with that? Well, the problem is, as a reporter, his job is to uncover things and break the news. Absolutely. The watchdog. Yeah. That's what his job is. His job is not to write great things about the Tennessee Titans. His job is not to write about, oh, his job is not to turn a blind eye that they're having a practice when when they're on coronavirus watch. That's not his job. His job is supposed to do that. That's what his job is. A lot of people don't understand that. And that's just a small example because, I mean, that's sports, Tennessee Titans, you know. It's not impacting our life in this detrimental way. But I don't think a lot of people really understand what the role is of the media. So now you talk about things more hot button issues, the president. Uh My job as a reporter is supposed to report what is the facts and what the president did and whether it was right or wrong. That's my job. I don't care how you vote. I don't care whether you white or you black. I don't care any of that. That's my job. If uh-huh. I would have been a reporter back when Obama was the president, my job would have been the same. If uh-huh. Obama is doing great things, my job is to say, okay, Obama just created this new plan. This plan is going to be a great plan. As I did the numbers myself, it looked like it's going to create 100 million jobs. Da 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 da. Cool. Uh-huh. If Obama just created a thing that, yeah, it might save the environment, but it's going to kill all these people's jobs. That's not going to do well for people in Pennsylvania and Ohio. My job is to say that that's my job. Right. People don't understand that. So it becomes this partisan thing where now when you talk about big media, right, your mm-hmm. CNNs, your Wall Street journals, your Fox News, this, that and the other, where now people don't know what they're watching. People watch Carlson Tucker and think oh, I'm watching the news when you're not. You're watching an opinionated columnist i call him a columnist even though he's not really a columnist he's a commentator opinionated commentator who's telling you what he thinks he's not reporting on actual news carlson carlson yeah tucker yeah my bad tucker carlson is not i love tucker i know you do Uh, oh yeah you you look just like him too (laughs) (laughs) but tucker but tucker carlson is not telling me actual news Tucker Carlson is telling me his views on the news. 
there is a big difference. And, okay, and then why do you say that? How do you make that? How do you distinguish that? Okay, because number one, the time that he comes on, prime so, time, baby. Well, he's was, number one cable news show. Uh, yeah, well, the time that he comes on. So when you're watching the news during the middle of the day, that's the actual news. Hey, breaking news! This is what's going on. We see, uh, you know, this happened in New York City. That's what's actually happening. But when you're watching news after, I want to say like after seven o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Central, all of those people that are on television, all of those people are uh, giving their opinion on the news, whether it's Rachel Maddow, whether it's Tucker, whether it's Don Don Lemon, whether it's any of those people, they're talking about the news, but they're giving you their opinion. Chris Cuomo, he's. Talking about, okay, Trump, he had coronavirus and he went back to the White House and took his mask off. Uh-huh. He's talking about and he, the news. And he lost it, yeah. You, I mean, you could tell. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's, he's talking about the news. He's giving his opinion. And when I'm watching Tucker, and I've watched Tucker, and when he was talking about the protests and he was really scaring them white people, did you see that? He was, oh my God, look at what they're doing. And I'm just sitting here like, stop it, Tucker. Like, you know better. But but that's his role. That's his job. So my point that I'm making is, is that The one thing that I don't like about the media as a whole is that we don't put a differential in that. We say that the consumer of media should know that. I always thought that that was madness. And what I mean is, is that when you uh, when you're watching those programs, Uh they'll say, well, people know I'm Tucker and I'm this is opinion. This is not this. I'm not doing journalism that I'm doing opinion. And people don't know that. It's people who legit think that Tucker is an actual journalist that's investigating doing journalism work, and he's not. That's not his role. Tucker would be the first to tell you. He's not sitting up here doing no investigating journalism. That's not his role. That's not his role. His role is to see whatever is happening in America and making bullet points about it and talking to whatever his audience is. If his audience is majority conservative or whatever the case may be, that's what his role is. Same thing with Don Lemon. Same thing with everybody else that you see on primetime cable news channels. So people don't really know. And, and people actually go to Tucker and actually think like, oh, I'm, I actually got the news. No, you didn't. You got Tucker's well, opinion you, you on You have to news. know. Like, I, I mean, I know going in every night when I watch Tucker, I know he's I know he's biased. I know he has a bias. We all have a bias. We all have a slant. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's gonna we're all going to write it pretty hard. Like I, I've seen this stuff Cuomo says. Um, I mean, media bias as a whole. So do you think that the media should disclose up front, like you said, hey, the views reflected in this next hour <laughs> yeah. are the opinion held by the host. Yes, but the problem is, is that that's not money. That's not You're not going to make money that way. Because think about it this way. If, if Tucker's audience's audience knew everything that Tucker is telling me is just his opinion, and a lot of this could be right, a lot of this could be very wrong, would people watch? Probably not. Unless they identify with his politics and whatever he's talking about. The majority of people are not. But they do because they think that they're getting actual news. So it's monetary. So that's the problem. Peter Jennings, rest his soul, and Tucker Carlson are not the same people. Peter Jennings was a journalist. He anchored World News Tonight. David Muir, ABC News. Nora uh, Deborah Norrell, over at, I think that's her name, over at uh, CBS. I don't even know. Lester Holt, NBC. They are journalists hosting the 530 newscast that I come on at 530 tonight. They are actually journalists. They're not giving your opinion. 
They're not giving their opinion. David Muir is not telling you, this is my thoughts on Trump. Now, his role changes on 2020 when they may ask, like, well, what do you think about the presidential debate? Sure. And then they may say, well, these are some things. And even then they say, well, these are some things that I'm looking at. These are some these are some of my thoughts. But David David Muir is a journalist. David Muir is actually traveling the world. If we went to war tomorrow, David yeah. Muir would be live in the war zone. Tucker will not be live in the war zone. Yeah. I remember him when he was on CNN. I don't know if you remember this day. Well, but, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't oh, old enough, but I know oh, he was yeah. on CNN, PBS, yeah, he was, NPR, he, I think. He used to be a journalist, but he is not a journalist now. And that's not, that's not a knock to him. Yeah, right, Again, right. I'm not knocking if you like Tucker, cool. I'm not yeah. knocking anybody that like Tucker. I'm just saying you have to know the difference, but a lot of people don't. And it's not profitable if Fox News were to say, over the next three hours, when you're watching Laura Ingram and uh, Tucker and everybody else that's going to come in after six, seven o'clock Eastern, yeah. all of this is opinionated. This may be half news. This may be half facts. That doesn't matter. But all of this is going to be opinionated. A lot of people in America are going to watch that because they're going to be looking for the news, but they don't know that. And they're tuning in and they're thinking, oh, I'm watching the news. And then. Uh, what Fox News defense would be is, oh, well, the American consumer is smart enough. They should know what they're watching. And that was actually like a defense. Tucker show Tucker was being sued. You probably heard about this. He was being sued in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the lawsuit uh, or his name got brought up in the lawsuit, I should say. And in the suit, uh, Fox News lawyers defended by saying, well, people who watch Tucker know that 95 or 90 percent of the stuff that he's saying is BS. Basically, they actually said the words, you know, in court is, 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 is that. And so when people watching that, they're really just watching it for the theater. They're not watching it for actual information and in, like intellect purposes. Fox News lawyers actually defended and said that about their own host talent and, and that's what it is and you know again the same could be said about cnn or msnbc uh -huh. or any of those other shows i'm just we're just talking about fox news because that you know tucker is tucker but um yeah that's the thing so when you talk about me a media bias it's a slippery slope because when you talk about your local news uh -huh. It's a big difference between what you see on local news versus what you see on national Fox News, CNN type news. Right. Those are not the same. So why, what do you mean? Let's talk about Memphis, for example. Your local reporters in Memphis, whether they're at, you know, uh, Fox 13, uh, NBC5, uh, WMC, I think yeah, is what they WMC, call it, you know, yeah. Channel 3 um, News or ABC 24. It was what they used to be called. I forgot what they're called. Local 24 now or whatever. Okay, those news stations here in Memphis, their job is, is basically to be, like you say, be the watchdogs. It's a guy named Mike Matthews. I think he worked at Local 24. He's always been known as the the watchdog. You know, he uh -huh. would, you know, uh, find out what's going on in city government, the mayor's county government, that kind of thing. That's what your local news is doing. They're, and I'm a part of that. We don't have a partisan Thing. You're not going to tune in to us and say, and you're going to you're not going to tune in to any TV station here in Memphis and hear, you know, yeah. uh, anybody saying their political thoughts about whatever. That's because that's not our role. Yeah. But when you watch your cable networks like CNN and those kind of TV stations, yeah, all the, all the big, yeah, big that's guys, that's big what they do, and that's what they do. But it was a point of time where that didn't exist. It was a point it's of a time shame. where CNN was just a 24 hour news cable news network. And that's how Tucker ended up leaving. It was because of uh, what's that guy that used to be on the Daily Show? 
um, the white guy. He was on the Daily Show. You don't know which one, John Stewart. Yeah, so John Stewart, J- Tucker was on this show called Crossfire. You look it up; it was the funniest thing ever. And John Stewart was talking about Crossfire and talking about how it was such a disservice to America because it came on CNN and it was a show where they saw both sides to every topic, uh-huh. and it was the stupidest thing ever. But people bought into it because they could be Republican and, and, and Democrat and really talked about both sides, but they never really talked about both sides, right? It was just uh-huh. just a conversation. And so, and John Stewart went on this long rant about how it was such a disgrace to America, like because we should be able to call out our politicians and be journalists and say yeah. hey this is what it is and this is what it is and john and, and, and tucker's defense was like well you have the daily show you had george bush on your show why or you could have had george bush on your show why didn't you do that and he was like i'm on comedy central i'm followed by puppets you're on cnn you should be doing that as a you know as a journalist right. and that show subsequently got canceled right after that oh wow <laughs> yeah look at it, it was crazy and again it's crazy how old i am because i remember i watched that live when it happened so i say all of that to say bro like I don't think that overall the media has a bias. I don't because when you're watching, when you say overall, you're talking small markets, yeah, the Memphis, the local affiliates. Uh, yeah, I don't think that overall, like your media have a bias. If you uh-huh. go pick up the commercial appeal or you go pick up the daily Memphian, there are going to be opinions in there. There's going sure. to be some columnists that's going to write their opinions, but overall the news should be pretty much straightforward. The news and the same yeah, thing. You if you're watching hope. channel three, channel five, channel, you know, right. 24 channel 13, the news should be pretty much the news. Sure. It shouldn't be too much of Trump, Trump or Biden, Biden. It should be the news. But when you are watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox and all of that, uh-huh. then it gets heavily biased. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And that's what the American people want. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, again, it's just it's not conducive. I don't get I mean, that's kind of why I designed the podcast is I want to bring people on to share their views and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have your basis for your views off my basis for mine, and a lot of times they kind of line up, you know. Of course, we want to mm-hmm. we want to sit there and we want to keep people pitted, you know. <laughs> like, what, what's your bias and how can I continue to reinforce your bias? I just well, I, I know it gets this, views. I know there's money behind it. But, and it is. It's a I lot mean, of money behind it. But I mean, and think about it. Yeah. It's as smart as Tucker is, right? Tucker could go in front of his, he get like what, 7 million views a night. Tucker could go in front of his views. Yeah, the I'll average be, is like four or something. Four, yeah. I'll be brief. Tucker can go in front of his 4 million views, viewers, and say, you know what? When you're watching these protests, a lot of this is not what you think it is. There's uh-huh. a couple of agitators and people might be joining in. But overall, this is not the what Black Lives Matter is supposed to stand for, nor is this is what those people that are in the streets want. If Tucker were to say that, Tucker wouldn't, wouldn't make money because people want to hear, oh, wow, what's going on in Portland tonight? What's happening in Chicago? What's going on in New York? And and Tucker's fanning that flame and they all do it i'm just not not just picking on tucker but they all do yeah, it no, but what i'm saying is is that that's why it's so detrimental think about it somebody that's averaging four to five million viewers a night is going out there knowingly knowing that he's misleading people more often than not according to fox news own lawyers and he going to bed sleeping well and then you'll have people here on the on the surface you and i right seeing each other as enemies yeah. for no reason at all and the cool thing about Isaac, so people can understand, like Isaac and I have way more in common than we have 
indifference. Oh yeah, we've always, we hit it off and, and, day one. Yeah, day one. Then we were sitting next to each other in class for sure. Yeah. And if you really think about a lot of Americans, is really like that. If you think about yeah. what the people in Collierville want versus what the people in Frazier want, they pretty much want the same thing. Those parents in Frazier are working hard, just like the parents in Collierville are working hard. They want their kids to go to good schools. They don't want their kids shooting each other. They don't want their kids to being in bad gangs and that kind of thing. Same thing with the people right. in Frazier. But we here on a lower level because of all the things that have happened before us and what are currently happening now we're told or oh, you're white i'm black and i live in this zip code you live in mm-hmm. that zip code you make this money i make that money and now we're pitted against each other for what you know yeah. i mean and, and we have no interest we have nothing to gain <laughs> nothing to gain <laughs> hating each other being divided nothing yeah which that's kind of why i mean i don't think media is the ultimate enemy i talk about media on here just because i'm in journalism school and i'm kind of doing a podcast mm-hmm um, but I mean, if media can frame the way we think, and of course, man, everyone they got to play on emotions, no matter what you believe. You got you got to be manipulated, and you're easy to manipulate when you're emotional. And if you can, if you go, hey, they said this about you, and, and quick, quick example, not to like you know, um, you know, like sit here and combat you. <laughs> There's one thing I saw with, and I don't really know how I feel about Attorney General Barr because I don't really know enough about him. I don't, he doesn't really do a whole lot. Right. There's always these indictments coming out that I never hear anything about. So it's like, I don't really know what he's doing. Anyway, there was a statement he was making on the liberties we've lost about from COVID, mm-hmm. which is true. We've lost, I mean, again, you're, you have to sacrifice stuff during yeah. a pandemic. I get that. For sure. But he's saying there's also been forms of tyranny. And I mean, we've, we've seen it. Uh, we're, we've seen this overreaching, overarching theme of this overreaching government. And that's just human nature. I mean, if you get humans power, you give them an inch, they take a mile, you know, all of us have, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, again, that's human nature. But he was talking about how COVID has been the biggest, like, um, not like threat to liberty, but it was almost like the loss of liberty. And then he disclaimer said, well, okay, slavery, of course, is the biggest. And in America, it's on American history. In American yeah. history, slavery was the biggest threat to liberty, is the biggest loss of liberty, because mm-hmm. the whole black race had no liberties. Exactly. So he said, I'm not, so he was pretty much saying that it wasn't. He's not comparing to slavery. So, like, so don't think it's the most extreme. Right. Slavery is the most extreme loss of liberty. But slavery aside, he's like, this is the most we've seen our liberties just taken away so quickly. And he, well, then the headlines were reading that he compared COVID-19 to slavery. And it's like, if you can, if you can, because then what it does is it's going to make the, the Republicans hate Democrats for spinning his words. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make Democrats mad that, you know, Trump's right-hand man, the attorney general, said that, you know, the Karens not wearing a mask in Target is parallel to a slave. Well, and so it's like, <laughs> we're, everyone's being emotional. Like, I, that's why been... I feel like, does no one see that the like media as mm-hmm. a whole, no matter what side is they're playing on our emotions and well, they're enforcing our biases. So, you know? again, so words matter, right? And so, so if, so if you could name this podcast, it would be words matter. If words, this episode words matter. I might just say, yeah. So, so this is, this is the issue with, with the attorney general coming out saying that to say, okay, given the quotes that you gave to say okay you guys this is one of the biggest threats to liberty not obviously more than slavery but the second biggest threat to liberty because we asked people to put a mask on because we asked people to stand six feet apart or we asked certain businesses to maybe close their doors because we dealt with a threat that we had no idea how crazy it was. All we saw were people dying like flies. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because 
what do you do in the pandemic? It's a brand new virus that nobody knows. You you want to call sure. it the China virus? Cool, call it that. You want to call it Kung Flu? You want to call yeah, it is that? that what you want to call it? Yeah. Yeah. You want to call it these crazy things? Cool. It's a virus, and as a journalist living in Iowa, Illinois at the time on the Illinois Iowa border, all I could remember is covering different nursing homes and seeing the older population die like flies. I mean, every day yeah. I'm coming and on that your was TV. the highest death rate. Yeah, every day I'm coming on your TV every day telling you that your grandma, your grandpa dying every single day. I'm, I'm the deaf I'm the deaf reporter at this yeah. point. And people actually joked and called me that like, dang, every time you come on the air, you have yeah. to bring deaf. And I'm just like, okay, that's not Dude, the thing. I think you weren't in New York, New Jersey, man. Right. I was like, oh, man, I'm like, yeah. that's not the type of, you know, press I want. But here I am. Good morning. Yeah. Let me I got to get back to sports. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I was like, oh, Lord, please yeah. give me back to sports. Yeah. Anything. I was like, anything. But yeah, yeah, that's what it was, right? And so it kind of goes back to uh, everything that we've just spoke about, you had a lot of people that just couldn't stomach the idea of being asked to sacrifice something uh-huh. for the greater good of everybody. And that was the craziest thing. And it's like, of course, did some people overreact? Maybe they did. Did J.B. Prisker overreact? Perhaps he did. Should have J.B. Prisker, and talk about Illinois governor for the people who don't know, should J.B. Prisker maybe had uh, the way Chicagoland did things versus the way Northwest Illinois and Southern Illinois did? Perhaps so. But again, as you mentioned, I mean, who wants the job of an elected official yeah. and you get this virus yep. that you don't know anything about? Envy none of them, yeah. You so, so it's kind of like I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I just was like, all right, he say wear a mask. Again, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know all science. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and act like I know, well, if I sneeze, what I read on Google is 2.5% of the droplets can still go outside of this. Ma- I don't, all I know is the man said put a mask on. This might protect my grandma from dying who's yeah. 77 years old in park forest illinois i'm gonna put this mask on right yeah get that you know but what happens is is that you have people again words matter if you have people at the top saying certain things yeah that trickles down through the media of what you watching on tucker what somebody else is watching on don lemon what everybody else is getting from social media and twitter now here we are at target yeah now, here I am with my mask on. Here you are, Karen, without your mask, right? Uh-huh. The, the joke on social media. <laughs> now you feel emboldened because I'm an American and I don't have to wear a mask. But again, and I even, it, it, I'll give you, I'll tell you a secret. I've never told anybody this, but I'm going to tell you some breaking news. I can say this Uh-oh. because, you know, um, I don't work with this person right now. When I was working in Iowa, I worked at a newspaper. And I had a coworker who was just like not for the mask. Uh-huh. She actually compared the whole situation to like living in North Korea. It was crazy. Oh, this no. is how she thought. Oh no, she was one of them. Oh no. And I thought it's making to myself, me look bad now, guys. I'm sorry. Right. right. <laughs> Come on. Like yeah. what's going on? Like, no. I sat here and I thought, if that lady was to come to Memphis and because a big business owner out in Iowa wrote a five hundred thousand dollar check to St. Jude. And she had to come down to Memphis and cover that story. And they said, well, hey, ma'am, to cover this press conference, we just need you to put one of those masks on here in St. Jude just, you know, because we're going to have some kids yeah. at the desk. You think she was going to sit there and say, this is not North Korea. I don't have to put a mask on. I'm an American. Da, 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 da. You think she was going to say any of that? So that just shows you just how ignorant people can be based on what they hear. You would 
<laughs> feel like you live in North Korea because the store was called V. It's kind of like Walmart groceries. Uh-huh. The, the, they're asking you to walk this direction. Yeah. <laughs> because they thought that that was the best thing to do at that time. Mm-hmm. You felt like you lived in North Korea. Yeah, that's that's extreme. That part's extreme. But but a lot of people think that way. Yeah. And here we are. So again, I had people tell ask me, oh man, okay, this coronavirus really real, bro. Like, I mean, you you in the inside, yeah. you a reporter. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it's real. I mean, yeah, it's real. And just like you and I were talking before we got on air, like, I mean, whether or not it's the virus itself, or or it really attacks somebody's immune system who is already weak, and in a day, dead is dead. Yeah. Like, I mean, you mm-hmm. know, if my grandma got the coronavirus and she died, I don't think I'm going to sit here and argue with you and say, well, Josh, really, your grandma had high blood pressure because she was black and she used to eat them collard greens with oh all gosh. that ham hock in it. And so now <laughs> she got the coronavirus. Hey, college, man. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm yeah. saying? You know, I'm going to look at yeah. you and be like, my grandmother is dead. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And, 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 and a lot of people, they just can't stomach that because if they if they if they believe one thing, then they feel like two things cannot be true. And so yeah. I'll just conclude by saying two things can be true. Yes, the coronavirus can be deadly. And it also may be even more so deadly in people who already have things that's going on with them. But then the day they die. Mm. So, so what you're saying to sum it all up <laughs> is words matter. Words matter. Man, anything you, you want to leave people with? Before we uh, go off here, yeah, just, we, a, just a nice, powerful ending. I just end by saying, words matter, man. Um, we have way more in common than what what you may think. Amen. Yeah. And you know, I'm not. You know, understand that. Understand that, and understand that if you take the moment to put your own personal biases aside. And open up your ears and your heart and listen to somebody else. You'll really understand the world around you. Yeah. It's nothing like what you may see on TV. Nothing like. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people I believe this way. I vote this way. I don't. I can't. Right. Talk to, and, and, and that's not the way it should be. Right. I'll even conclude. I don't, you know, as a, as you know, as somebody getting ready for the upcoming election, I don't think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are going to, you know, be the saviors of America. Like you say, I'm a Christian too. My, mm-hmm. I, I don't care who's in charge. And at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is who I'm following. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, absolutely. you know, that's 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 the God. You know, God, I got to do my Bible study on my Holy Bible app. That's who I'm following. <laughs> You know, I missed the day yesterday. Uh, my mom had uh-oh. told me about it this morning. I'm like, okay, thanks. It was only one day. But yeah, it's, yeah. still, you know, that's that's who I'm following. But in the end of the day, I understand that, you know, words matter. And it's the and it's the where it is where you get your information from and, and and that kind of thing. So just ask have a conversation with people. If black people are telling you that we're being treated a certain way, don't tell me that you gave me Obama in 2008. Just open your ears and yeah. be like, what's going on, Damarion? Let me understand what's right, what's happening. Don't you like yeah. the little names I that I get people? Yeah. I think about like the, uh, Dave Chappelle has a bit where he talks about how, um, you know, they got OJ and mm-hmm. like, all right, like, come on, give us OJ. Give us. Cause it was like, there were so many other dudes wrongfully convicted. We know he's guilty. Right. But like that at least kind of evens the odds a little bit. <laughs> give us OJ. Just give us OJ. Which Dave Chappelle's on the Mount Rushmore comedy for sure. Dude, it's, crazy. dude it's hilarious. Yes. Um, Josh, where can people keep up with you? You got Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, man. Where do people follow? Everything is the Josh A. Vinson. And it's spelled V like Victor, I-N-S-O-N. Again, and it's at the Josh Vinson. Yeah, at the Josh A. Vinson. You know, I put the little okay. A oh, the yeah. Josh. Was it Alfonso? Was here? Yeah, you, yeah, Alfonso. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Italian. Yeah, 
Chicago. Come on. You know where I'm from. You know I'm from Chicago. Chicago, yeah. You know how we do yeah. Chicago. So at the Josh A. Vincent. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. That's where I'm at, man. Thank you for having me on. And um, again, I'm always down to have these types of conversations. It's always dude, breathtaking. Dude, this is the longest one I've ever had. So Pro- I've right, exactly. A couple. <laughs> this is going to be like yeah. part one, part two, part three, yeah. part four. <laughs> it might, dude. I might release it every week till election. Let, hey. let people think. Let it marinate. Why not? Uh, Josh, thanks for coming on. Come back anytime, man. Maybe we'll start our own little podcast here at some hey, point. I'm just across the bridge. You know where I am. That's true, man. That's yes, true. Sir. Thanks for coming on. Everyone, that was Josh Vincent, and uh, we will see you on the other side.